Well, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to this week's special season two finale edition of Roundabout Sports, presented by Interstate 70 Sports Media, where our passion is our profession. Thank you so much, folks. My name is the maestro Jeremy Carp, alongside Hollywood James Knox, which is ironic considering he is on location at Disney World. Yeah, somewhere around here, right? Yeah, so, somewhere uh, around there, Animal Kingdom-ish. How you doing, James? Uh, I wish I was doing a lot better than what I am. However, I am glad to be with you this Wednesday night. <laughs> All hail the heel zebra. And yes, Jared, thank you so much for tuning in because, yes, tonight, uh, later on, we are going to have longtime referee Christopher Miles, everyone's favorite or maybe least favorite. It depends on if you actually like him or not. Uh, heel referee. But I will tell you this right now. He has some of the best jerseys. He is the best damnedest hockey jersey collection I've ever seen in my life. I don't yeah, care what I, anybody says. I was going to say, I thought mine was pretty prolific, but his uh, his is really prolific. I mean, like, that's outstanding. Every Dynamo show we have, he comes in with a new different jersey. I, you know what? To me, it was when I saw his uh, Hartford Whaler jersey. Yep. That's what sold sold me. I was like, yep, that's it. I think that was one of the first interviews you and I did together was him. And we were talking about his jersey collection. Remember? I yeah. mean, that was one of the first uh, shows we ever did. So, yeah, absolutely. yeah, comes full yeah. circle. It, it really does. And he told me this was going to be his next jersey he was going to get. <laughs> I knew it was coming. I knew it was coming. It's like damn cat. That uh, damn I cat. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I may have made that face a couple times today at some unruly kids. I'm or an unruly driver who is driving a Tesla. Yeah, yeah, that one too. That one too. Um, and uh, oh, here we go. Jared says the New Jersey one is a chef's kiss, and he also wants to know if you're meeting the Grinch down there, James. I uh, haven't come across the Grinch yet. Haven't, but if I do, I'll make sure to say hello for it. Give him a nice St. Louis hello. Good old night. Yeah. You know what? That's kind of how we're feeling right now, considering it is uh, it's currently 33 degrees here in St. Louis. And You're setting me up for a fall here. I'm not going to tell you how warm it is here again, Jeremy. I'm not going to do it. You know what? You can go ahead. I'm not going to. What am it's I going to do? Kick you off the show? Like 60, Yeah. 63 today, 74 tomorrow. It, it does cool down this weekend, though. If he gets into the 40s. It cools down this weekend, he says. Can I make this clear, folks, before we get started? <laughs> Tomorrow, it's going to be 33 with 90% chance of snow. Friday, the high is going to be 7. Get the hell out of here with your damn degree weather, okay? I'm just curious if I'm going to see any iguanas falling out of trees down here. <laughs> or crocodiles crawling into the houses. Uh, oh, no. By the way. And anyway, for those wondering, this is our loyal listener, Jags History, hiding in the background on James' side. They decided to party together. And uh, Jags History is celebrating the Jacksonville Jaguars, uh, really embarrassing the Cowboys in probably the best way possible. I mean, I'm not down by, that was down by Down by 17, and then you come back with a, a pick six to, I mean, yeah. <laughs> to, to end it in overtime. I just – Man, does the night Trevor the king of the states? No, 
Well, being America's team. No, no, we, no. We decided on this show that the Cowboys are no longer America's team. Yes, we do. You should watch. You should go back and watch episodes. That's Take what notes, I'm saying. Kid. Well, and, then, <laughs> and the funny thing, and yeah, here we go. Jerry's like, who let the Cowboys in the playoffs? Well, I mean, they probably won't be in there long enough. So, hey, Jeremy, matter. did you see? Did you see where the Philadelphia Eagles sent thirty-five cheesesteaks and like twenty-five orders of fries to the Jaguars for beating the Cowboys? I Sunday? did. They sent it to Doug Peterson. Uh, is that uh, not outstanding? That is. Just great. I love that. And plus, I'm going to tell you right now, uh, my friend and I, when he lived in uh, Maryland, we went to Philly for a Blue Flyers game. And he actually, we both had the original cheesesteaks. Like, oh, really? Two places across the street from each other at two corners. And we wow. had OG Philly cheesesteaks. Greasy goodness right there, man. I'll tell you. Whew. I bet so. Did you uh, also, keeping in line with, like, you know, gifts being sent, did you see where uh, after that the Bills Dolphins game Thursday night, where Tua went up and was thanking Bills Mafia for all the donations that they had made to his foundation when he was hurt? I mean, that's the good part of rivalries. No, absolutely. Now, did you see um, the donation that was made when Carlos Correa failed his physical? <laughs> Steve Cohen sweeping in like a thief in the middle of the night. <laughs> Yeah, and folks, we're, that's going to be the first thing we're going to kick off with tonight um, because that is probably one of the biggest news we have. Oh, first, I also got to say, wondering what my shirt is. Um, that, that shirt is priceless. Jews for Tebow. That is too good. I got this shirt as a Hanukkah <laughs> gift from my cousin years ago. And I mean, this is probably over 10 years old. Um, well, and I said to yeah, myself, got, you know what? What the hell? I got to wear it. Like Broncos colors. Yes. I mean, that is an old shirt. So I loved it. Um, but with that, yes, we are going to start with the big news coming out of baseball that Carlos Correa was supposed to be introduced yesterday as the newest shortstop for the San Francisco Giants. And what ends up happening? He failed. They postponed it because he failed his physical. Um, well, that that meant he the deal fell through. He became a free agent. And what ended up happening? The New York Mets signed him later that night to a 12-year, $315 million contract. And um, when I first saw that, first off, it is less money and less years than it was for the um, – and, yeah, Christopher Miles, who's going to be on soon, he says it perfectly. It's way too much. Um, because it's, and what's crazy, it's less money and less years than what the Giants had signed him for. Cause his was a 13 year, 350 million. So James, fill me in on this. Like what the hell's going on? Right. Well, we're going to figure out real quick what happened. And what I mean is when the, so when the Mets, they do their introductory press conferences, if Correa comes out and kind of dogs the Giants, then I think we see it's the Giants or the team that balked at it. If he comes out and he says, hey, you know, things happen, you know, it just didn't work out, then I think we see there was his camp that, you know, kind of turned the tables here. So from what I understand is that certain teams will look at certain items in a physical, whether it's a back, it's it's legs. We we know that he's had a that he's had back issues and it's kept him out of uh out of the lineup, you know, over the last couple of seasons. I just I don't know what to make of it. When you sent me that this morning, it kind of caught me off guard because I thought that the deal with the Giants was, you know, it was going to be all good to go. And then last late last night, I heard that the uh, 
the uh, press conference for the Giants was canceled, and the next thing I know, this morning he showed he's you know he's he's in the the blue and the the orange of the Mets, and it just just Steve Cohen, man, they're going all in. I just if you don't come out and win a World Championship with the Mets or with that lineup or that team that's put together. We talk about the Lakers going all in. We talk about the Rams kind of salvaging, mortgaging the future to win a championship. And those teams were able to do so. If the Mets don't do it in the next, what, three, four, five years at the, at the greatest, that's a failure. It really is. Yeah, and I think the Giants are still reeling off the fact that they had Aaron Judge for all of six minutes, as you said before yeah. the show. So they're reeling off that. So you can – from – a team that went from basically having Judge and Correa to not having Judge and not having Correa, and now is basically almost at square one to what they were heading into this offseason. You know, and of course, you already got to deal with the San Francisco or the Los Angeles Dodgers, um, the Rockies, who, believe it or not, have a higher payroll than the Cardinals, which wrap your head around that one. Um, you. And, of course, the Padres, who now have three players under contract with over $300 million deals. And I, I don't know where you – if I'm the Giants, I don't know where you turn because I'm sure we'll get to a shortstop. Dansby, Dansby Swanson's not out on the market anymore. Of course, he signed that deal with the Cubs. You know, the Giants, I mean, really, the only signing they made was was Mitch Hanniger. There's not much left out there for them to go or to turn to. No, there's really not. It's something that the Giants are going to have. And if they're not careful, the rest of the free agents that are out there, Steve Cohen's got them online too. Yeah, Steve Cohen is definitely keeping a close eye and ears and pocketbook open on everything going on. Um, with that, we're going to continue with a little bit of baseball talk. And you know what's interesting here? And because I'm actually going to be talking about soon the uh, – Pro, we're going to have some Pro Bowl announcements of the players that actually made the Pro Bowl. Um, I'm thankful that my favorite offensive lineman and one of my favorite players, Joel Batonio of the Cleveland Browns, made it. So hats off, hats tip tat to you on that one, my friend. Um, so here we go. I wanted to also bring up uh, something that somebody had brought up earlier in regards to the St. Louis Cardinals. And I mentioned that rockies have a higher payroll than the cardinals and you may say well why does that matter because it, it brings back the age-old adage of people feeling like the cardinals are not doing anything and my issue is but uh, and, and this is from here we go i found it i had to, I had to dig deep this is the thing Colorado Rockies, quote, have a higher payroll than the Cardinals. Noam Arenado doesn't deserve this. This is from at Cardinal fan, which, you know, literally the name. Um, this is where my thing comes in. And, James, you can, you know, tell me your thoughts on this. Absolutely. Payroll does not equal success. Look at how many low – there was a time the Cardinals had the lowest payroll in baseball. What did they do? They won the World Series. You know, I mean, look at the Oakland A's in uh, 2002. They took it to the New York Yankees and everybody in the American League. Does having a higher payroll help? Yes. But okay. at the, it's, it's a higher probability of success. But nothing's guaranteed. Because keep in mind, the Rockies last year won 68 games with the payroll. 
they had. So yep. that's where I feel to myself, like, wait a minute, does it really matter? Um, so I want to ask, does this team become a 100-win team if they spend some more money? No, absolutely not. And, and here's what I'll say to Cardinal fans that are watching this. Don't think – don't don't put yourself in the same conversation as the Yankees, the Dodgers, the Mets, uh, you know, the Phillies, even when it comes to spending money. You're not that team. And, and I know that that Cardinal fans don't want to hear that, but you're not that team. DeWitt will go out and spend money, but they're not going to go out and spend stupid money to put themselves in a situation in which, you know, they're going to be their their hands are going to be tied down the you know, down the road. That's just not the way it's going to happen. I know Cardinal fans want them to go out and spend four or $500 million every year. It's not going to happen. Plus they don't want the luxury tax on top of it. I don't blame them. And this is really going to make Cardinal fans mad. Think about yourself in the same sentence as markets that are similar to yours, Cincinnati, Pittsburgh, Milwaukee, uh, even, a, even a market like Tampa, um, you know, think about yourself in those kind of markets, you know, as much as we want to win and we want to win championships in St. Louis, is this still a business? You know, there's a reason why the DeWitts and the, the Cardinals organization have been consistent in, in terms of always being in the hunt to make the playoffs, you know, and always having winning seasons because there's a level of consistency there. You're not going out and spending three, four, five hundred million dollars on a 13 year deal only for the last seven years of that deal to be trash. And we're going to see that, you know, this this Correa deal, there's going to be a lot of dead money at the end of that. The same thing will be said for Bryce Harper, Aaron Judge, you know, any of these long 13, 12, 11 to 13 year deals. Unless they come up with a way that you can stay healthy and be bionic forever. Father Time is still until this day at December 21st of 815 Eastern, 715 Central undefeated. And until Cardinal fans realize that there's a way of spending money to where it's smart money and not, well, we need to go out and buy Bryce Harper and Aaron Judge and Carlos Correa and even a Dansby Swanson or a Carlos Rodon. It doesn't work that way. There's a plan. There's a reason why businesses have models, because they don't want to lose money. And they certainly, they didn't become millionaires and billionaires in some case by throwing senseless money away. So you need to think about yourself in the market in which you belong and quit trying to compare yourself to these big dogs who are going to go out and spend this money and have no problem paying up to or over the luxury tax. It's just the way it is in sports. You know, we can talk about the Blues and and how they spend to the cap. Well, that's fine. There's a cap there. Major League Baseball doesn't have that. And at times it's a it's an organizational disadvantage for some of these smaller market teams. But you look at a team like Tampa who has had a really small payroll and They've always been in the playoffs and they've been in multiple World Series. So, you know, I understand Cardinal fans are upset and they think that they want to go out and get another player and they may go out and get a, another player via free agency or trade. But don't expect these big names that are attached to big time dollars because they don't guarantee anything except for the fact that you're paying them a, a, a lump sum and a, a hefty amount of money. The Mets, need I remind you, are still the organization that on July 1st every year fork out money to Bobby Bonilla. Oh, don't goodness. be that team. Good. Well, I don't know about that because I'm not going to lie. I do love Bobby Bonilla Day. It's one of my favorite days of the year. Um, but that I find it hilarious every year. I think it's great. It's literally, it literally should be. You know, like how they have like all a holiday for every single thing that they put on the calendar. <laughs> yeah, Bobby Bonilla right. Day needs to be put on there. Like 
<laughs> Unless you're the Mets, shut down all banks and stuff for Bobby Bonilla Day. There you but go. No, but no, you're right because with the influx of money, the Cardinals are not a team in financial straits, in dire straits. Like, there's nothing struggling about them when it comes to finances. But at the same time, look at all the big contracts they have put out there that didn't pan out. Now, hopefully, this time, when they get a former player from the Cubs, it pans out. Doesn't turn up like Dexter Fowler. No Dexter Fowler. And I'm not even going to lie. And, and like Jason Hayward. Jason Hayward, yeah. Let's not act like Jason Hayward was this huge success with the St. Louis Cardinals. Because he wasn't. Um, it wasn't as bad as the Dexter Fowler experience. But nevertheless, you take into account big contracts don't equal big success. And because if that was the case... Um, guys like Adam Wainwright and Ray King and Jason Marquis wouldn't be on the Cardinals because they would have shelled out tens of millions of dollars to keep J.D. Drew in the organization. Ugh. All talent, no work ethic. Exactly. So, um, see, there you go. Hallmark needs Bobby Benia Day cards. I love it. It's perfect. Um, <laughs> but, no, I think the Cardinals – this is one of the better off-seasons the Cardinals have had. The only down mark I would give them – is is not retaining Quintana. Yeah, that one's going to hurt. That's the only thing. It's not. It's going to hurt because they do. And we said this last week, and it still rings true this week because they haven't done anything yet in this regard. They have not solidified the hole that Quintana left in that rotation by Quintana going to the Mets. That's a key lefty that is gone. I think know? it's. I think it's just too much to rely on on Steven Matz bouncing back from a an injury riddled year to kind of see where that goes. I mean, yeah, you've got bodies to fill those spots, but I don't know if you have the the production that you're expecting. And look, the Cardinals may see it as a you know we we'll go out and get somebody at the trade deadline if they're available. I, I think it's weird because I think a lot of the pitching that we'll see that will become available at the deadline are going to be guys that the Cardinals would have been interested in now. But if you can get them at the deadline, it may come at a smaller price. Uh, I, I do like the, you know, that the deal that Dan O'Dowd from Major League Baseball Network put out, you know, sending somebody, sending Carlson, I believe it was Carlson, uh, Burleson and Libertor to the Pirates for Brian Reynolds. And, you know, Very we had a hot about take on that one. We put that on our uh, Interstate 70 Sports Media Facebook page, and a lot of people didn't like that trade. Well, idea. I am the right, and I'm the I'm I'm the silent minority here because I do like the deal. And and Brian Reynolds has shown that he can produce, and everybody wants to say, Oh, we can't play center field. Well, okay. And Dylan Carlson has showed at times that he can't play center field either. So you know, if you want to get to that point, but I, I would be very happy with an outfield of O'Neill and left, Newt Bar in center, and Brian Reynolds in right, or flip flopping O'Neill and uh, Reynolds. But you know, also, you know, it, it was nice to see John Mozeliak come out and say that he fully expects Jordan Walker to be your starting right fielder on opening day. And I know that there'll be many people that say, "Well, what do you expect him to say?" Well, what I expect him to say is, in the past, like when you've had these situations, he said, "Well, we'll see how it's based on their spring." You know, there's a lot of trust and a lot of confidence in Jordan Walker. And mind you, John Mozeliak, also the same person who said that Jordan Walker could very well be the second coming of Albert Pujols. And I'm saying that's, you know, that's not verbatim, but the idea is very much the same. So, 
you know, I like the deal for Brian Reynolds because even if you move a new bar back to the bench and he becomes your fourth outfield, he's still a hell of a spark plug. And we saw how important he was to the chemistry of this team and the production down the stretch in 2022. Without a doubt. Um, moving on to one more piece of conversation for um, baseball, actually. So I wanted to get your thoughts on if I can – Pull it back up. Here you go. So we already know that uh, Dansby Swanson signed with the uh, Chicago Cubs. And I, I just want to kind of find your thoughts on this, James, because we had again, I feel like um, it, it was everybody was thinking he'd go to the Cardinals. We even talked about um, the the contract, thought about it would work with the all-star gold glove uh, infield and everything. But I want to ask you right now, because it's a seven-year, $177 million contract that uh, Swanson signed with the Chicago Cubs. Now, he is going to be – he is 28 years old right now. Um, he'll be 29, I believe, on – if I remember correctly, February. He is a – all-star world series champ and a gold glove award winner um he's a two career 256 hitter does dansby swanson and i want you to maintain your thoughts even before he signed with the cubs i want you to maintain your stance is he worth 177 million dollars over seven years so you're looking at roughly what 25 million dollars a year 25 and a half million or something like that Boy, right. that's that's steep. And I'm going to say no, because I don't think the, the production dictates twenty six million dollar a year player for him. But it's what the market dictated when you saw guys like Carlos Correa going off the board, um, you know, and, and, and Xander Bogart's going to the Padres for just an obscene amount of money. You know, it, it really set the market. And when that shortstop market was set, it almost set the Cardinals outside of that market. There was no way they were going to go out and spend that kind of money on a shortstop. And, you know, I think in a perfect world, Tommy Edmond takes that that position and runs with it. When Paul DeYoung does play, he produces. But we've seen this happen before. You really can't put any eggs in that Paul DeYoung basket. Anything you get from Paulie D is going to be a bonus. Um, but back to Swanson, I don't feel he's worth that that money. And, and I understand he has all these accolades. But, you know, Gold Glove is based on defense. Yeah, you were part of a world championship and you helped contribute. But his his numbers, especially his offensive numbers, don't jump off the page. His war doesn't jump off the page. So, you know, I think I told you when we, we, we figured it out, I looked at him as possibly a, what, $18 million a year player. And boy, was I off. But again, the market with, with Correa signing, with Xander Bogart signing, those big contracts, you know, it doesn't surprise me because if you wanted to go out and get your guy, you had to overpay and overpay grossly to get him. Yeah. Very, I very do. Much. However, I do feel with the Swanson signing and the, the Cubs extending Jamison Tyon, the Cubs may have hopped over the Brewers to be, you know, where it's the Cubs and Cardinals in contention with each other for the national league central. And we'll definitely have to see how that one plays out for sure. Yeah. That'd be interesting. It's going to be interesting how the, division works itself and obviously we're still the offseason is just getting started in major yeah, league baseball it really is 
So, folks, with that, we are going to turn now to the National Football League. Thank you so much for joining us here for the Season 2 finale of uh, Roundabout Sports. If you have any comments, questions, you know, anything, whatnot, be sure to share it below. We're definitely going to look forward to reading them for you. So, James, I want to ask you, do you know what anniversary is coming up this Friday? It would have been the the 50-year anniversary of the Immaculate Catch. Or the Immaculate Reception, I'm sorry. Yes, you are absolutely right. And the Steelers this week, if I can recall, are going to be playing um, the Las Vegas Raiders. I was, of course, about to I was like, wait a minute. It's not the uh, um, Oakland, but it's definitely the, it's definitely the Raiders. But anyway, they also were going to retire the jersey of running back Franco Harris this week. Um, And the weird thing is, for a franchise as excellent and prestigious as the Steelers, it's amazing to think that there's only been two retired jerseys up to this point. Um, Well, we found out this morning, and I hated waking up to the news to hear this, that... uh, Hall of Fame running back Frank L. Harris, as you see number 32. This is actually right after he made the Immaculate Reception. And what's interesting is um, only a couple people know for sure whether it was a legal catch or not. And uh, I believe it was Jack Tatum who, uh, yeah, Raider safety Jack Tatum, I believe, is the one. Um, and he, he says he knew, or was it um, – it was somebody else. I forget exactly who it was. Uh, John Fuqua. Yeah. Yep. Fuqua is the one that um, maintains that he knows who it was, if it who, whom the ball hit first. But he will never tell, he says. He's going to let it remain immaculate for the rest of his life. Point being, I'm sorry for trailing off. So Franco Harris sadly passed away this morning. Um, he was 72 years old. And... It just shocked everybody because, once again, like I said, this was just two days um, before. Uh, it was three days before the 50th anniversary. He actually, and uh, it was considered sudden because he's been on social media days before. He'd spoken to visitors at the Heinz History Center the day before. Um, and he, like, the thing of it is, it's also very similar, his passing was to another Pittsburgh legend, Willie Stargell, because he died two days following um, an unveiling of a bronze statue of him, and he died on the same day as the opening of PNC Park. But the thing of it is, Franco Harris, one of the greatest running backs of all time, 12,120 yards in his career, four-time Super Bowl champ, Super Bowl MVP, Offensive Rookie of the Year, Man of the Year Award, nine-time Pro Bowler, uh, 91 rushing touchdowns. And it's just unbelievable to think because the Steelers for the longest time were a team that was just in in futility. But thanks to guys like Terry Bradshaw, Mel Blount, and uh, Franco Harris, he rose them to prominence. Um, and, of course, the coaching of Chuck Knoll can never be understated enough. But, no, this is definitely shocking news, sad news. 
And I think the best way to emphasize is that the time we have is precious because the time after isn't uh, promised. Right. No doubt. And so, yeah, it's it's just it's it's hard to put the words together because of such shock of that. It was definitely something because all week everyone's been talking about the Immaculate Reception anniversary. Going to yep. retire Franco Harris's jersey. Going to be a big celebration, big party, and everything. And then, you know, passes away. Yeah. So, yeah, it's definitely sad news this morning. To because you're right. I mean, that was kind of what everybody had talked about. All the national pundits, experts, all these shows. You know, it was all talking about the Immaculate Reception, and then we we get the news this morning that Franco Harris passed. So. Definitely a sad day for the NFL and for the Pittsburgh Steelers and their organization. Without a doubt. Um, and to bring a bit of best, – best put it this way, to bring a bit of updated news in the NFL, once a little light in the mood, um, we actually have the released rosters of – the Pro Bowl games. Now, this isn't your, your traditional AFC versus NFC flag football crap like it was in the past. No, this is actually more updated. Um, so I'm going to go down the list here and talk about who we got. So we're going to start with the quarterbacks. And I'm happy. I'm especially happy for this. So we got Jalen Hurts, Kirk Cousins, Geno Smith, Joe Burrow, Pat Mahomes, and Josh Allen. Overall, let's just talk about quickly. I just want to say how well-deserved it was to have Geno Smith in there. Like, I mean, James, he was such an outlier, and we thought his career was going to be done just a couple years ago. But here he is making a huge comeback for the for the Seahawks as they're fighting to remain alive in the playoff hunt. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's awesome to see him, you know, get back, uh, you know, kind of – get his mojo back in terms of how he's playing. Now it's probably a good thing this pro bowl voting was done uh, a while back because the Seahawks have kind of gone into a tailspin the last three weeks. So, uh, and you're right. They're definitely fighting to, to maintain a playoff spot. I, uh, it'll be interesting to see if they can make it into the NFC playoffs. I don't think there's a team out there that would want to go to Seattle, you know, to play, but guess what? They don't have to because San Francisco kind of ran away with that division. Thanks to Brock Purdy. Um, <laughs> But still, you know, as a team that can play really good and stingy defense and have a running game with Kenneth Walker the third, yeah, I don't think there's a team out there that would feel comfortable having to play the Seahawks in the first round. Oh, without a doubt. Um, next up we got uh, is for our running backs. Each team got running backs, and then one fullback was selected. So are the three running backs for the from the NFC side are Saquon Barkley, Tony Pollard and Miles Sanders. Notice Zeke did not get picked, but they draft they chose the voters chose Tony Pollard. That's a great one. And he's a better the, back. He is the better back, but he's probably not I don't even know if he'll be on the Cowboys next year. He's hitting the free agent market. Uh, so. I don't think he will. And then Kyle Huschek is the fullback, argue honestly best fullback. Makes sense. Yeah. I'm never going to argue that. Then for the AFC, Josh Jacobs, Derrick Henry, good old Nick Chubb, baby. You got one for Cleveland right there. And then Patrick Ricard for the from the Baltimore Ravens as the fullback. Yep. So overall, you know, great selections right there. We head to the wide receivers now. 
For the wide receivers from the NFC, there's Justin Jefferson, A.J. Brown, uh, C.D. Lamb, and Scary Terry, Terry McLaurin from the Washington Commanders. Um, Justin Jefferson, to me, if you're not going to give a quarterback the MVP, which I don't think every year you should, Justin Jefferson and Travis Kelsey have to be the two top non-quarterbacks right now. Jefferson needs 337 yards over his final three games to eclipse 2,000 yards for the first three years of his career. It's not That's something that no other wide receiver has ever done. And he's still on the verge of, you know, he's only 10 yards away from passing Randy Moss for most right. Vikings. Uh, yep. Vikings in a single season. Um, and he's still on the, he still has a great chance to freaking make the NFL record for receiving yards in a season, yep. passing Calvin Johnson. Um, and then for the AFC, you got Tyreek Hill, Stephon Diggs, Devontae Adams, and Jamar Chase. Now, Devontae Adams, interesting case, struggled early on here with the uh, Raiders, but he and Derek Carr found their connection and have really been tearing it up lately. The whole offense of the Raiders has really been doing good. Um, and Jamar Chase, you know, it's it's interesting with Jamar Chase because – he was injured for a few weeks, but when he's on, he is on. Yeah, that that Bengals offense is is really tough to stop. When you've got Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, and you know any other receiver they want to throw out there, I mean, with those two and having to really focus your coverage down on those two, it leaves other guys open. Oh, without a <clears> doubt. Now here's where I'm gonna set. This is where I find my first Pro Bowl snub. Every pick so far that we've read, I've been fine with. Now we get to the tight ends. Now there's only two, the top two tight ends from each conference. NFC, George Kittle and TJ Hawkinson. AFC, Travis Kelsey, Mark Andrews. I'm going to just say this, and this is my take. Dallas Goddard should be in over George Kittle. Mm. Dallas Goddard, in my opinion, and I know he's he had an injury this year, um, but honestly – this season, Dallas Goddard, 544 receiving yards, 43 receptions, uh, three touchdowns. And this is this is where you see it as a popularity contest, Jeremy, because George Kittle has not had the typical George Kittle year, but because he's been there so many times before, it was an easy vote just to put him in. Right. It's it's literally, and I'm so happy T.J. Hawkinson made it too. Yeah. Fan of his on the Lions, and I'm happy to see him succeeding with the uh, with the Minnesota Vikings. Which God, go and get me started with their game last week, thirty three nothing, really, and they come back and win. Yeah, I got Dad to watch the end of it with me. One of the greatest games I've ever seen. Um, now we get to the offensive linemen. First, we're going to go through the offensive tackles. Laramie Tunsil. Orlando Brown and Teron Armstead. And then for the AFC, you have uh, – oh, I'm sorry. For the NFC, you got Trent Williams, Tristan Wirfs, and Lane Johnson. All no argument there. No argument on any of them. Um, and then for the offensive guards, from the NFC, you have Landon Dickerson, Zach Martin, Chris Lindstrom. And then for the – uh, AFC, you got uh, where is it? Quentin Nelson, Joel Batonio. I'm so happy about that one. And 
Joe Tooney on the Kansas City Chiefs, repping the repping the Chiefs kingdom right there. And with that, we go to the centers once again. Another Chief, probably arguably the best center in the league, Creed Humphrey, um, getting selected alongside Mitch Morris of the Chargers. Um, then Jason Kelsey and Frank Ragnow. Um, so overall, great offensive line picks. I would Wyatt Teller still having a pretty good year, but I can tell he's been struggling of late. And honestly, you're not passing up any of the three that were selected. It's just see when it's only these three guys, it's it's just hard to choose. So overall, you are literally getting the best of the best right now. Now we get to the defensive linemen. Now it's the top six voters. Um, so we got for the AFC, we got Miles Garrett. We got Max Crosby, we got Trey Hendrickson, Quinn and Williams, Chris Jones, and Jeffrey Simmons. For the NFC, we got Nick Boza, Demarcus Lawrence, Brian Burns, Jonathan Allen, Dexter Lawrence, and Aaron Donald. You know, you knew you weren't going to have a, a Pro Bowl games or whatever without Aaron Donald, but at the same right. time, if ever there was a year where it would have been at least debatable not to have it, this would be the year. Yeah. Because the whole the whole team <clears throat> has just been an absolute mess. Um, and, you know, you've watched it, unfortunately enough, unfold. And I think a lot of that actually has to do with the fact that the Rams just went all in last year. They yeah. put too much into last year to really understand that it's it's almost like the Chicago Cubs. You do so so crappy for so long, but you finally get that one championship, and then you know whatever happens after that happens. Right, and and just a lot of injuries. I mean, this is like I've I've mentioned oh, yeah. the last couple of weeks. I mean, I've never seen a an NFL team so riddled with injuries that have just kept the team from doing anything. It started with the offensive line, then. Your best receiver gets hurt, then your quarterback gets hurt. Now Aaron Donald's hurt too. It's it's just kind of like shut it down and get healthy for 2023. But you know, in terms of those Pro Bowl picks, I think that's I mean, that's pretty much par for the course. It's kind of what we expected. Right. Um, we get to <clears throat> and Matt Stafford has announced he will not be retiring. Yep, and so, I'm still on his wife's podcast this morning. Yep. And he I was gonna say if there was anybody he was gonna reveal that to, it was his wife. Right. Um and he revealed on the podcast this morning. This is now we get to the linebackers here. This is where I have a little bit of a problem. We look at our pro bowlers. Very first name, I'm gonna say I have a problem with it, and everyone's gonna castrate me or something, but I'm gonna tell you why. TJ Watt. Why the hell should a guy who's played four games this year? Be in the Pro Bowl. It's a I know it Why is Nick Bolton not in the Pro Bowl? And you know, because let me let me just yeah, you're right. It is a popularity contest, but let me just make this clear on Nick Bolton's season. Well, it's because... no different, Jeremy. It's no different than when London Fletcher had got snubbed year after year until he finally proved himself. I mean, you know, yeah, it's trash, but again, it's a popularity contest. And unfortunately, the, the little guy that we're, you know, that's not as well known is going to get kind of swept under the rug. Right. And, you know, this this year so far, he has 137 solo tackles. He has two sacks, two interceptions. Um, he has a forced fumble. 
I'm not even going to delve into what TJ Watt has because there's not much to work yeah. with for TJ Watt. There are no statistics. On, this is the former defensive player of the year TJ Watt is. And I get that. He's an elite linebacker. But when he's healthy, when he's not, when and I don't mean when he just has a minor injury to where he's, he's not playing his best. This guy was out 11 weeks. I should yeah. know. He was on my reserve list on my fantasy team. I know about it. Um, so we're going to continue, though. So I already am having a problem with that. Khalil Mack, Matthew Judon, Roquan Smith, and C.J. Mosley. Um, Micah Parsons, who, once again, if there's a guy that should be defense, uh, first off, he's going to be defensive player of the year. Yep. Um, I also say you need to put him in the MVP conversation. Agreed. I think in the top five for the MVP right now, you will have two quarterbacks, a receiver, a tight end, and a defensive player. That's what I'm looking at right now based off of it. Um, and I think Jalen Hurts is leading the way right now. Yeah. That's just my opinion. I think it's Jalen Hurts. Then I think it's Pat Mahomes. And then um, Justin Jefferson, Travis Kelsey, and then Micah Parsons. Um, then, But here we got Zadarius Smith, Hassan Reddick. Fred Warder and Demario Davis. Thoughts? I have no argument. I have no no issues with those picks either. <laughs> now we get to the Pro Bowl defensive backs. Now this is the top seven from each conference. Um, and oh gosh, there's going to be one. The last one on this list is going to be a hell of a time saying his name. Um, well, first we got for the AFC. We got Sauce Gardner, uh, Patrick Sertain. Uh, Marlon Humphrey, Xavier Howard, Minka Fitzpatrick, Derwin James, and Jordan Poyer. For the NFC, you got Trayvon Diggs, Tariq Woolen, Darius Slay, Jair Alexander, Quandre Diggs, Buda Baker, and we have Talanoa Hufanega. And ah, uh, yes. If I got that right, well, which I don't think I it's did, all, but... it's it's all funga, and he plays for the 49ers. Okay, he is what I, I refer to as Troy Palomalo 2.0 because <laughs> he has the I'll hair and everything it. else. Yeah, I will take it. Honestly, over there, overall, great no list. Issues there yeah. First, yeah. First off, also, you want to talk about a Steeler that should be if there's a guy in the conversation for Defensive Player of the Year as well. He's put a dog. Put yeah, he's a dog. Fitzpatrick. I may not like the Steelers at all, but God dang, I can't argue with talent. And Minka Fitzpatrick's that talent. Um, so then we go to the special teams. All right, so we're gonna have, and this is this cracks me up. We got two kickers, two punters, two specialists, two special teamers, and two long snappers. Now I want you to just give me your best guess. On the two kickers, not punters, but just kickers. Justin Tucker and, geez, um, Matt Gay. Well, you're half right. It's Justin Tucker, and the other one is um, actually Morton Anderson. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> no, they turned yeah. the clock back to 97. Right. Um, shit, with him, it was 87, too. Um, yeah. Justin Tucker and Jason Myers, actually. Okay. All right. I was hoping Robbie Gould. I was hoping. I would have loved that. Um, but anyway, 
For the punters, we have Tress Way and Tommy Townsend. Return specialists, Cavante Turpin and Devin DuVernay. Um, special teamers are Jeremy Reeves and Justin Hardy. And the long snappers are Andrew DePaola and Morgan Cox. And with that, um, it says here, the team's left without a pro bowler. I want you to guess which two teams do not have a pro bowler. Think of all the teams and think of which two uh, do not have a pro bowler. The Jacksonville Jaguars and the Los Angeles Chargers. Once again, uh, half right. Um <laughs> Uh, it was the Chicago Bears and the Jacksonville Jaguars. Ah, it was close. And the teams with the most pro bowlers, the Eagles have eight, and the Cowboys and Chiefs both have seven. And we have a special uh, question here from the Night Owl. Renee, thank you so much for tuning in. Russell Talk Podcast was phenomenal last night. Those coaches, the coaches for the NFC and AFC are already predetermined. They're the losers of the championship games. So you don't get the you don't get the you don't get to choose your coach. There's not a voting for a coach. It's not like, you know, like how similar would be in MLB how the the coaches already predetermined or whatever the head coaches the are. Yeah, 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 and it's the same way in the NFL. So coaches are already predetermined. I mean, shoot, Pat, Josh, and Joe. So yeah, we'll we'll take what we can get. Um, uh, you guys, the coach. Uh, shoot, imagine if I, we were the coaches in the Pro Bowl games. Well, I also thought it was – oh, here we go. Who would be your starting QB? Okay, if we were the coach um, – oh, I get it now. He wasn't asking who the coaches would be. He was wondering, take those three quarterbacks, and if we were on the ASC, who would be our starting quarterback? So, James, I'll start with you. I'm starting Joe Burrow. I just I like his really? attitude. That, that that gunslinger, like I don't give a blank attitude. Yes, Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow. I'm going hey. with Josh Allen. I love Pat Mahomes, but at the same time, I mean, I'm throwing Josh Allen. First off, I, the reason I'm saying Pat Mahomes because you know he might even be in the Super Bowl, so we'll see. But no, honestly, if you want my honest opinion, okay, I'm saying Josh Allen because dude's a freak athlete. But you're you're talking to somebody who's two of two of his favorite athletes in the St. Louis sports scene are Jordan Cairo and Jordan Bennington. They both have that. I don't give a blank attitude like kiss my ass. I don't care about you. That is Joe Burrow personified. He was like that at LSU. He's like that in Cincinnati. That's my kind of dude. He is definitely your type of dude. I will give you that. But but at the same time, Josh Allen almost is like that in the sense. Do you not see some of the hits he takes? That's dumb because he's shortening his career. Right. I get that. But at the same time, that takes into account he don't give a crap because screw it. He's going to go all out balls out. First off, if NC is true. Ooh, ooh, here we go. Joe Burrow is who Baker wishes he was. Well, given the fact that Baker or has never, yeah, given the fact that Baker's never lost to Joe Burrow, I mean, We'll see, I don't know about that one because Baker outplayed Joe Burrow in every matchup they had. Nevertheless, um, 
Joe Burrow did make a Super Bowl, so he's got that going for him. Um, with that, James, I know you got to get going soon because I know you've been feeling under the weather, and I'll be honest, you're a workhorse. Um, <laughs> but before um, – and I'll deal with the Night House comments later <laughs> – um, Baker's a journeyman. Look, we all knew the Panthers wasn't going to work out. We all knew that. Ray Charles on, in his grave saw that one coming. Um, but I want to say, you know, we when we first when I first brought back roundabout sports, you know, and I had so many great guests, so many great friends on, and then eventually I had you on, and you started to do all the insider talk, and then you know we get to season two, and I'm like, you know what? Gotta step it up a notch. What's hell? It's like James, you wanna be my co-host on this? And you are more than enthusiastic too. And we have been killing it ever since. Um, and you've been killing it with the strike zone, and now you got some more podcasts going, some more shows, and we're gonna be working on that. Um, but I cannot tell you how gracious enough I am and grateful to have um you on this show as a part of interstate 70 sports media and just as a part of my life in general you've been a friend of mine for a long time and i'm forever grateful and i know heathcliff is thankful too <laughs> oh man and you never you never seem to get me with the cats yeah man jeremy it's it's been an absolute pleasure i know when we talked about this you know uh, the, the second season of, of Roundabout Sports and how we were going to do this and, and me jumping on as your co-host, you know, I was like, well, yeah, we'll see how this works. And I think it's kind of blown all of our uh, expectations out of the water. It all started way back in the Central West End whenever I, you had me on right after yeah. the Blues traded Ryan Reeves away to the Penguins on uh, on trade night. And it's it's uh, it, it's kind of crazy. And yes, yes, he was. So, um, <laughs> That's kind of funny too. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing where this has gone and we've been friends now for what, seven, eight years. It's, it's gone by really, really yeah. fast. And, and uh, you know, looking forward to uh, 2023 and beyond and seeing where this takes us, man. Absolutely. A lot of things great in store. And the best part about this being the season finale is that this gives you a few weeks to, <laughs> to rest <laughs> rest a bit. If you just, if you just talk, you want to talk about a don't give a blank attitude? It's you when it comes to all your umping and refing and broadcasting and stuff. At some point, man, just <laughs> that's why we have the next off. Right, the next couple of weeks. But yeah, I'm ex I'm extremely grateful to you and and to everybody who listens and watches and comments and asks questions. You know, we we couldn't do this without you guys. And and uh, happy Hanukkah, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, and and we will or I will. Jeremy will continue on with the show here with. With everybody's favorite heel referee, I'm going to go rest, and uh, we'll see you in 2023. All right, James. Have a wonderful night, and you take care, buddy. Much love. Will do. You. We'll see you, Jeremy. See ya. Uh, folks, Hollywood James Knox, literally one of the best uh, friends a guy could ask for, and I'm so grateful for everything. Meanwhile, going to the opposite of best friends a guy could ask for. No, I'm, I'm just kidding. Let me tell you something about Christopher Miles. He is one of the most entertaining people you could ever meet in the wrestling industry. I have had the pleasure of knowing him for quite a few years now. And it's funny because there's a lot more to him than just counting one, two, three in the ring. And we're going to find out a little bit more about that tonight.
Ladies and gentlemen, it is my great pleasure to introduce referee, dear friend, and a whole lot more, Christopher Miles. Hey. How's it going, Chris? Outstanding, sir. How are you? I'm doing okay. So first thing I got to ask, what is the jersey you got on today? So this is uh, the newest edition of my collection of hockey jerseys. It's my logo jersey. As you know, awesome as that is, someone had this made for me. It's fantastic. Uh, unfortunately, it's one of one. However, you can now get your very own uh, Christopher Miles T-shirts at Pro Wrestling Tees. Uh, you know, I've, I've been accepted by them, so you can go look at your shirts there and uh, get your own Christopher Miles merch and support me, please. Absolutely. So I'm guessing it's Pro Wrestling Tees slash Christopher Miles, or yeah, I will put it in the comments here shortly. Okay, good, because I want to make sure we get that on there, because I know you've shown me what they look like. You've shown me. I do have some magnets of yours that you've yes. given me as well. So You can buy those for me directly at shows. Over the t-shirts, you've got to get at Pro yeah. Wrestling Tees. At the magnets you can right buy here. from him, but you got to go online at Pro Wrestling Tees to get the shirts, which just makes it even more special, because did you could you have imagined, in fact, I think we got it right. Yep, here we go. So Pro Wrestling, www.com. ProWrestlingTees.com slash catalog search, all that stuff, but St. Louis Zebra. Um, so where did our we already know we always call it come come on stripes or come on zebra? <laughs> where did the heel zebra part come from? Uh I don't know. I just people started booing me a lot in, in <laughs> when I got introduced in matches. And I think it had a lot to do with the fact that uh one of the announcers announced me by my my actual career he called me officer christopher miles because i do work in law enforcement in my day job oh no so it's like all of a sudden oh. i'm starting getting booed it's like oh here we go <laughs> yeah i'm not gonna lie working in the st louis area and finding out you're an officer and then it's not gonna get the wrestling crowd's best reactions um well, you know what it, it's fine a lot of the people <laughs> I've sold a lot of t-shirts, so I mean, somebody's doing something. Well, it's like when um, the Beatles, when people were burning Beatles records, because John Lennon basically said the Beatles were bigger than Jesus, which was taken out of context anyway. But yeah. what did all the fans do that burned their records? They went and bought new ones eventually. Yeah. You know, so guess what? The people that are booing you, they're going to end up buying your shirts. Hey, you know, I, I've sold way more than I thought I was going to, so hey, I'll take it. If I if I ever sell with one shirt, I, that would be more than I expected. <laughs> um, so I guess the first thing I gotta ask is, what made you want to put on the pinstripes? Not the Yankee well, ones, of course, but yes, yes. So, uh, been a fan for longer than I can remember. Like I don't know when I started watching wrestling. I've just always watched it. It's been an omnipresent force in my life, and started doing a podcast a few years ago where I would talk about, you know, wrestling things that interest me. And then eventually I just kind of got asked, it's like, hey, look, you've been around this forever. You're, you've been doing this podcast. You've been coming to every show. Do you want to be a ref? And it was like, you know what? Yeah, yeah, I do. What was the promotion that uh, originally had reached out to you about that? Well, once they reached out, but discussed was with Dynamo. They're the, or the one that discussed. Yeah. Was, yeah. Okay. So Dynamo reached out to you. How long ago was this? This was during lockdown. So we're getting ready to come back. And uh, it's, you know, a good time to, you know, start a career since everything's basically right. launching. 
And that first Dynamo show back was my first show. And, you know, it's been. Wow. I, I remember. Away. Wait a minute. I remember that one because I was at that one. Yes. I actually don't think I knew that that was your first show. Yeah. Which is funny to me because, like, um, a tip I got from Chris Jericho was to, you know, he, he logs all of his matches. He, you know, and I keep track of all of mine. And my first 50th, uh, 100th, 150th match were all Battle Royals. <laughs> <laughs> That's like, funny. I that like that. that. You you know, you mentioned about how you uh, log your uh, matches. Because mm-hmm. um, I know HD Daniels does the same. And mm-hmm. I'm sure Jay King... Uh, my, I, I think after, you know, the 5,000th match, he might have started losing track. Potentially. Um, potentially. What's it like working with Jay King for Well, it's, 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 like, it's almost like being at the learning tree. You know, you've got someone with experience. It, it's, I equate it to a rookie wrestler working with, you know, a vet. You, you try and learn as much as you can. You ask questions. You and take criticism well. You understand that, that maybe they have something to critique you on. And it might be something that, you know, might hurt a little bit, but you got to swallow your pride and go, yeah, you know what? You're right. Yeah. And I think, you know, that's one thing in the wrestling business you have to understand is at some point you've got to just realize where you are in comparison with those that are around you. Um, I remember the first show I did at Dynamo that I did commentary for, you know, I've known Luke Roberts for so many years and I've known Jim and for so many years as well. And some of the other guys like Serge and Camaro when he was wrestling with Dynamo. Um, so I knew a lot of the people. But I also knew on top of that stuff that you had to do to make an impact. And that was A, you know, especially as a rookie, you got to show your respect in the locker room. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't go around boasting about yourself or anything. Yeah. You know, go around, be respectful. Um and it was definitely awkward that first time I was in the locker room. Well, I'll, I'll tell you this. And How again, was it for you? This was the first show, I hate saying post-COVID because we're still dealing with it, right. but it was the first show back after the lockdown. And so much of wrestling locker rooms is that first thing is that handshake with everybody. No matter if you saw them a hundred times, hey, how you doing, man? How you doing? And a lot of that was just like, it was a lot of head juts and a lot of, you know, fist pounds. And now the handshake is totally back. But that first couple of shows, it was more of a like a, oh hey man, how's it going? And, and like hey, if you haven't met the guy, I'm like hey, I'm I'm me and you're you. Hi. <laughs> so I yeah. A weird introduction to the backstage culture. I was gonna say it definitely seemed a lot more serious than. And don't get me wrong, wrestling is a serious business, but at the same time, you know, I show up and you know give you a hug you give yeah. me a big hug and everything like that was stuff we couldn't and i do that to a lot of the wrestlers they know i'm a big hugger um they, but at the same time that was something we couldn't do back you know a couple years ago because of covid and how it was um so i'm just yeah times have definitely changed with that but at the same time eventually you started getting to work at other promotions mm-hmm. now how did they Either was it you reaching out to them or they discover you and just reach out to you? Or... Uh, combination of the two. So I, I started working. The first promotion I worked for outside of Dynamo was uh, MMWA. And, okay. uh, you know, our good friend, uh, HD Daniel, set that up. He, you know, gave him my contact info. 
And then through them, I met the promoter for PWE, started working there. And uh, it wasn't too long working there, multiple shows that they just said, you know, hey, you know what, you're, we're just going to make you the senior referee here. So that, I mean, that happened faster than I thought it was going to happen, but wow, it's been, okay. a lot of, it's been cool. Very exciting to be more involved in the process. Okay. Wow. I didn't, now see, there you go. There's another thing. Being the, now what's that like for you? Cause you've only been in the referee business a couple years and you're already a senior referee somewhere. Um, I totally, uh, to an extent, I understand bookers and promoters frustrations with people because coming up to show week, I'm getting messages like, Hey, am I from the other referees? Hey, do you need me? Am I booked? Hey, what am I doing? It's like, we discussed this already. I've told you who's coming. I've told you who's booked. I've told you who needs to be here. Why are we doing this the day before the show? <laughs> yeah. So who goes, how do you go about that? And in, in, as far as bookers go, just, do they just send out an email to the wrestlers? Just carry your pigeon. Just say, Hey, get your ass here on Sunday. You're wrestling. <laughs> well, with, with, with the wrestlers, I don't know. That's above my pay grade. But when I do it with the refs. Okay. Um, what about for the refs? I should say. It's simply a message of, Hey, who's available and who wants to work and then i make the decision of who gets to work because okay. it's it's you know because i don't uh, i've been on shows before where there's been like nine matches and seven referees oh and, my god yeah it's like there's it's like i don't want to come all the way out here regardless of the payday regardless of the payday i don't want to work a match because for right. wrestlers that's what they're that's what they want to do they want to work one match um oh nathan's tuning in and Platypus. Uh, so I'll tell that story in a little bit, but we'll get there. Uh, oh boy! <laughs> referee, as a referee, I want to work as many matches as I can. I don't want to work the whole show, although I've done yeah. it. I've done it before, and it was it was kind of fun. It was a bucket list thing, but uh, you know, I think ideally, I when I when I book a show, when I book in referees for a show, I want two to three at max, and that's that's how I've been going out with it so far. So. What is that? You told me that your first, um, your 50th, your 100th, and you said your 150th? Yes. We're all Battle Royals. Yes. Okay. And obviously, Battle Royals is a unique match in and of itself. Mm -hmm. What is the most outlandish, like unbelievable match that if you said it to anybody, they would be like, wait a minute. This match happened? So I've passed, this, I've, passed, I've passed this match around to friends and to coworkers, and it was uh, back in July, and it was Lenny Mephisto and Neil Diamond Cutter in the match of 10,000 tacks. No. So there, they, they had the they had little uh, the little slugger baseball bats, the little plastic ones covered in tacks. They had tacks all over the ring. They had doors on the ring, and they had it was just it was. Uh, it was a mess. I got some tacks in my shoe, in my hand. It was, it was, it was an ordeal, but it was also a lot of fun. The match of 10,000 thumbtacks. It's on YouTube. Uh, you can find it on the Pro Wrestling Epic YouTube channel, Lenny Mephisto and Neil Diamond Cutter. And there I am in the middle of it. So you can watch it all. That is definitely worth checking out. I yeah. feel like, oh, I'm going to guess that that was in Illinois. Yes, yes, it was. Okay, and <laughs> and you and I know each other long enough to know there's a reason why we say that because yes. there is not a reason that uh, 
Missouri would allow that type of craziness to happen. No, no, we, we can go ahead and say it because it's it's not a secret. Missouri has wrestling's under the the authority of the athletic commission, and for good or bad, and I say mostly for good, it, that's it's what it is. There are some things that they overreach on, sure, but for the most part, I'm in favor of the commission. And when you go to Illinois, it's almost like the Wild West. There's no regulation, and there's we could have it. So you're saying we could have a death match it, tomorrow afternoon if we get a ring set up, and if it's in Illinois, because they wouldn't give a shit. No, they wouldn't. That's okay. Doesn't mean I'm going to. Don't no, you think? Going to, and and, and uh, by no means, because I work almost half my career in Illinois. I'm not knocking that because I've never worked for promotion that didn't have EMS on site that didn't have proper medical care, that didn't have the things to take care of someone if something goes wrong. It's, right. it's just that, and, and, you know, Illinois might crack down someday, but so far they haven't. And Missouri is like, you know, there's no blood, there's no intentional blood. There's all this hardcore stuff can't happen. And there's a lot of wrestlers in Missouri that are quite happy about that. And that's fine because some guys don't like that deathmatch style. And that's where I wanted to get into next. And maybe not so much into the deathmatch degree mm -hmm. but to the extent and this is something that we experienced earlier in the summer um or if not actually probably in the spring i mean shit time is flying by so much i mean we're already almost in 2023 but at one point this year the athletic commission uh raised a lot of the taxes mm -hmm. and the fees when it comes to the promoters um as far as gate receipts yes you know, it's like mm -hmm. they gotta pay x amount on the dollar they, well, they, they raised the tax, what, I think it was 1% or 2% that they were charging, and they yes. also charged a dollar per ticket, even on comps. How you're going to charge a dollar on a ticket that they gave away is ridiculous. Right. And because of that, and I had, and, I, and I'm trying to remember, and James and I had had this discussion um, in the past with guests on the show, but... There was a petition that went out in regards to, and I know you saw it, in regards to trying to dissolve the Missouri State Athletic Commission. At, at the very least, their involvement in professional wrestling. And I did not sign that because, like I said, I'm actually in favor of some level of regulation. There has to be something. And to, to an extent, I wish Illinois had something, but it's at the behest of the promoters that, that do that. And I've worked for a couple in Illinois, and they've been – almost at that Missouri level anyway, so. And that's the thing. I feel like there's promotions in Illinois that do follow the Missouri model, if you will. Yeah. Like, they, where they do make sure they're regulated, but, you know, they they can take advantage of the fact that, hey, we're in Illinois, so we can go a little bit past that. Yeah. Um, whereas in Missouri, you can't say, hey, we're going to go a little bit past Missouri to the Illinois way because, and honestly, I think it shows when, some of the more extreme dynamo shows, for example, have taken place in Illinois. The mm -hmm. 15th anniversary show, for example. Um, the Ride on the River shows, always a little more extreme, you know, because the things that can occur are stuff that can't be regulated um, in Illinois as opposed to what it is at in Missouri. And, you know, you and I have been to enough wrestling shows that in Missouri, there's always a member of the athletic commission on site, mm -hmm. you know, always representing. Um, but yeah, I remember the petition came out 
And there was so many mixed feelings on it because yes, people, and there was a lot of people that lived in Illinois, I think that were trying to sign it. And I think it was just so they could bring the style they have. And this is in no way bashing anybody who, you know, has this way of point of view or this point of view. It's just, I understand nothing should be free reign in the sake yeah. of, it shouldn't be, and this is no wrestling promotion pun intended, but it shouldn't all be anarchy. <laughs> um, and I love anarchy. They're a great promotion. Right. That's just the only pun I can, that, yeah. that came in my head. But no, it shouldn't like, just be all free for all. There needs to be some regulation, but you can, um, it just, it can't be Fort Knox style lockdown boot yeah. camp. You know, it, it, the toothpaste is out of the tube. You know, wrestling isn't what it presented itself as for a century. Ever. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, to understand that it is, yes, it is sport. It is performance art. It is whatever you interpret it to be. Um, I would like to see some scaling back of what the commission has done this past year. I am in favor of a rep being there because someone does have to be you know, the, the voice of reason, the guy, the, the, the person that says, hey, got to follow this rule, got to follow this rule. I'm in favor of licensing because I have a, I have a license. I know that all the wrestlers that the wrestling in Missouri do, and that requires blood work and a physical to make sure they're physically fit and clean to perform. I was going to say the blood work is, I think it should be absolutely imperative. It doesn't matter what state you're in, where you're at. If you're a professional wrestler, you should have blood work done because if you're blading, especially, I mean, why wouldn't you want to make sure your opponent has the proper blood work, you know, results, you know, and it, it's a straight, it's a medical thing, you know, like well, there's, there's, there's so many foibles in these different States that have commissions, like in Maryland, for example, if you get hurt as a wrestler in the ring, the commission pays your bill, not the promotion, not you, the commission pays it. So that's what one of the weirdest things to me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah well that yeah that is definitely something i find very weird at the least i feel like if anything that the commission should scale back on the economics mm -hmm. because the issue the biggest issue i have with the commission is what it does to the promoters I and mean, especially coming out of and i'm like you said at the beginning we're still in the pandemic but yeah. it's not to the degree 2020 was. No, it wasn't there's... to where we go out there and all the streets are shut down. But yeah. at the same time, you take a look and you know we, you both, you and I both have dealt with this firsthand to where the promotion, the promoters are struggling to make money back because so much of it has to go to the commission. Yeah, you know, like I said, I, I'm an essential worker, so I was I went to work every day during all this and the seeing empty streets and empty buildings. But there is not a promotion out there even WWE or AEW that is back to the numbers that they want pre-pandemic. I mean, you look across all sports, there's very, I mean, a football, baseball, hockey, basketball are not at the level of attendance they were in 2019. And who knows if or when we'll get back to that level. I mean, there's promotions that they're putting on great shows that people aren't coming to. And it's not from lack of promotion or lack of trying. It's just that people aren't going out like they used to. Right. It's it's not the product as much as it is just the pandemic. That's yeah. really just the best way to put it. It's the situation that we are in. Um, so I, I asked you about, you know, the most outlandish match that you 
were officiating and it God, you, you've heard of the song "The Land of a Thousand Dances." Well, here's your, here's you, the match of ten thousand thumbtacks, Lenny. Which, God love Lenny, it doesn't surprise me he'd be the one involved in that. <laughs> it does not surprise me Lenny would be the one that would be involved in that. And and folks, I highly recommend watching Lenny Mephisto matches because they are truly a treat. They really are. Um, so what have you ever wrestled in a match? So I trained to wrestle. That, that was my origin story, I guess, inside the business was, you know, fresh out of high school, I trained and uh, got to work some like dojo type matches and stuff like that. Um, I got hurt in an unweighted incident outside of wrestling training. And while I was recovering, unfortunately, my father passed away. So I had to care for my mother. And while I was doing that, met a girl, started a family and wrestling kind of fell into the background. He had a job and everything with that. And then eventually, you know, started the podcast, getting back into wrestling, going to shows and putting on the stripes. And it was like, this is where I was meant to be. <laughs> yeah. I, I, you know, it's interesting because you see referees taking bumps a lot in the ring. Mm -hmm. um, what goes, how much goes into that for you as far as. So, okay. R referee training starts the same as wrestler training you're okay. doing the roles you're doing the you know the, the you're learning how to you know properly hit the ropes and all that stuff so you're learning a lot of that stuff it just it stops at a certain point it's like i don't necessarily need to know how to do banderas or how to jump over the rope and land on my feet outside the ring because that's not something i'm going to do however running the rope how to fall properly how to roll properly all that is covered because you're working with the trainees in the wrestling business. You just like you just stop at a certain point and just go sit in the corner and watch them do the more advanced stuff. Right. Who is probably the biggest name you've uh, officiated a match for? Uh so it'd probably be it'd be either Davy Richards or okay. uh Stallion Rogers, the former Kurt Stallion from NXT, either one of those guys. David Richards is a, is a really good one. He's a long time familiar face around uh, around here, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, what's it mean to you knowing that you get to go to these other promotions and you know get get to just expand your career, but not on top of that, your passion because you love yeah. doing this. So you got to look at it almost like different restaurants. Okay. Yeah each providing a little something different. You know, you might have the really good Mexican place, but some nights you're going to want Italian. Sometimes you just want that greasy burger. So <laughs> I think every promotion in our area, in the St. Louis area, offers just a little something different because you have, you know, ones that provide that old school wrestling. You have ones that provide sports entertainment. You have one that, the one that provides athleticism. Then you have ones that provide the blood and guts. It's just pick what you want and go and almost none of them are running on the same night you know so yeah. every friday or saturday you could find a little something different have you had to deal with the conflict of interest schedule wise in the past um when you've had two promotions that you are no. a part of but they had show on the same night no thankfully no and i wouldn't do that i would not double book myself or i would not book myself with a promotion that is up against a promotion i work for 
but my day job has gotten in the way recently. I was booked on a show and there was just no way I could leave. There was too many other officers that were out. So I had to stay and it was just like, uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, but I can't make it guys. What made you become an officer? Um, Cause that, you know, we talk about the, the life inside the ring, but so, the danger for you really is outside of it yeah. as an officer. So, I mean, when I was, when I was a little kid, I, I had these dreams of law enforcement and, uh, that got took over by wrestling for a little while, but then once wrestling kind of went away, um, due to injuries and whatnot, it just, I fell back into it and I got a job working at a, uh, at a prison and then turn that into a street job now. So it's like, okay, I mean, this is fun. And that's where I met Mr. Platypus, Nathan. <laughs> <sighs> there he is. <laughs> so I'm going to tell that story just, just so we, we can have a fun real life job story. So me and this gentleman who has bought a t-shirt since the show started. Thanks, Nathan, by the way. Uh, uh, when we first started working together at the prison, uh, you could see into the wings from the control bubble, okay? And uh, there's these two guys who are squaring up, ready to fight. And that's kind of a big deal, a fight in, in a prison. You don't obviously don't want that anywhere, but especially in a prison system. Uh, I acknowledge it, and we both go running out there without any conversation between us at all. We both start screaming platypus at these guys. That's what's what we scream at them. And they just stop getting into and look at us and just call us crazy and go back to their cells. And I go, did we just randomly yell platypus at these guys without talking to each other? He goes, yeah, <laughs> we're best friends now. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> the thing. That's I, great. I, I've been writing a book since I started in law enforcement 17 years ago. That's called You Can't Make This Stuff Up. And because you just can't. You cannot make up any of, this, of the stories that I can tell you that most of which I can't share here by the book later. <laughs> oh, man. Well, that just gives you more of a reason to eventually have the, the book, and then we plug that. <laughs> yeah. um, so I have here some interesting facts about professional wrestling referees. Okay, go ahead. Um, oh, and first off, Nathan wants to say uh, that you're his soulmate. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Um, so there you go. You got that going for you. Um, so, okay. So the first thing I want to share, um, with professional wrestling referees, first off, there's more to it than meets the eye. Yes. Um, and I'm going to see how many of this, you know, Num um, here we go. First referee uniforms have changed over the decades. Um, I'm sure you recall when they were just the nice, um, boat tie with the all blue shirt and mm -hmm. everything. So would would you do you prefer the stripes or would you like to rock a bow tie in the <laughs> Okay, shirt? there's there's two uniforms or outfits that I would like to I love my stripes, but I really liked um the ECW polos. Cuz ECW refs wore those black and purple polos. I think oh, that would okay. be a good look. Let's see. I'm going to pull that one up right now actually. Yeah. Um it, it's interesting you bring that um I can even 
find an old school um ECW referee one. I know I know they have the old school uh ones where like from the invasion. Oh god, no, we don't want an invasion one. Um well, I'm sure it'll it'll come up eventually. Um you know it's funny, Bill Alfonso pops up. Um, yes, quite a bit. Quite a bit. Oh my gosh. Now, this is another one. I don't know if this is what you were this is one of the ones that also um popped up as far as referee shirts in ECW because obviously they were the outlandish ones, so they did all kinds of things. Um, but you have these as well. Yeah, those are not my favorite, but I mean that was one of the styles that ECW yes, had, that but yeah, I understand that's not one that you would want to preferably. I couldn't yeah. imagine you in that one. <laughs> no, but I mean, of the mainstream reps right now, I, I like the classic WWE look. Um, yeah. I, I, I don't mind the fat stripes that the AEW refs wear. Those are okay. I hate the Impact Referees shirts. They're, I just don't like them. There's too much black. Yeah. So here's here's the first question for you. This mm -hmm. is the that was the piece of trivia, but here's the question. Okay. Why do referees wear earpieces on TV? Like the real answer? You want me to tell you, or are you, are you wanting to? No, I want to. It's like a trivia question. I want to see if you. Yeah, to get in, to get, get info from the back. Okay. No, I know that. I just want. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. We're just checking you out here. Yes. Um. Earpieces. Here we go. Um. Indie refs must be a part of the action, and most of the time they have to improvise on the spot. Mm -hmm. Obviously, mainstream refs don't have to really do that as much because there's more communication. But as far as indie goes, you know, there's a lot more of improv on it because, well, I mean, the likelihood of getting hurt also increases because they have a better understanding on T. The ones in WWE and AEW will not understand what's going to be happening. Whereas if you're in an indie promotion, they often have to guess, which, yeah, I don't think, I don't think you want to guess if, uh, let's just say Big Vic's running at you with his uh, lariat elbow. So for the most part, if I'm not involved, if I don't have a spot, all I know is the finish. I know I'm looking out for this. So in, if, if now if I do have a spot, they're like, hey, you're going to, this is going to happen. We're going to, uh, we're going to bump you in the corner, or, you know. Unfortunately, Outcast bust my lip open the first time I took a bump. But uh, unless I have something that actually is happening in the match, I know the finish most of the time, and that's it. So have you ever heard the story of Jimmy Corderas getting knocked out during a Jimmy Hart match? <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> Jimmy Corderas and Tim White both have had unfortunate injuries. Tim White, in a nutshell, was... Yeah, just bad in general. When You're talking about Hell in a Cell ending careers that ended Tim White's career. <laughs> I mean, yes, literally. Yeah. Um, but yeah, in the match between uh, Honky Talk Man and Brutus the Barber Brief Beefcake, uh, Jimmy Hart was supposed to hit Corderas, uh, kayfabe, but he was actually an accidentally hit and he, he went out. <laughs> um, and he says here in the interview. He uh instead the mat knocked him out when his chin hit the canvas after the mega megaphone. Now right. you and I both especially know how hard a wrestling ring really is. Yes. Um, you've taken bumps. Um in Illinois, I've taken bumps. Um and yes, that it is not a pl 
pleasant feeling to land on that ring. Um, and so, yeah, we can only imagine. Now, here's another one where referee Chad Patton was left in the dark at WrestleMania 30. Have you heard about this one? About the, about the, about the uh, taker finish. Right. Yes. To where it was rumored that he was not told that he was told what he was told was that Taker was going to win as usual. But, yeah. um, yeah, no, thank you. Well, and I'll add that to, you know, we're always taught and WWE guys are no different. Call it like a shoot. If they don't kick out, just count it. And, you know, he thought for a split second that, you know, did I just end the streak on accident? Was he supposed to kick out? And it worked out for the end, but. Yeah, and I think that was the biggest thing. I'm sure it was a brown trousers moment for a second there. Well, you know, I look, you know, one of, obviously one of the biggest referee moments is the Montreal screw job. And I think one of my favorite parts of it is when it ended because Earl Hebner ran out of there like he was bad out of hell. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> he knew somebody was going to kick his ass if he didn't get out fast enough. Yeah, more than likely. <laughs> um, what I want, what I want to ask you also, you know, I, earlier this year, Becky Lynch suffered a very, very gruesome injury, and normally I'd be like, "Ah, oh, it's too graphic, Sean, on the on the air." But be forewarned. Give you a few seconds to close your eyes, folks, if you don't want to see it. So, all right. I gave you a few. This is what she suffered. And yes, I remember this clear as day and her shoulder went in and oh. <laughs> so what I want to ask you, Chris, is what is the most gruesome injury you've witnessed in a wrestling ring? Uh, you know, I've been very lucky in that I haven't seen too many really uh, other than some, you know, rather deep lacerations. Uh, the only really thing that was serious was, and, you know, uh, Wish Him a Speedy Recovery, Zulu recently broke his foot jumping uh, from the top rope out to the floor and just, you know, landed in an unfortunate manner. And, uh, you know, I said, I wish him a speedy recovery. He'll be back soon, hopefully. But that lump, you know, that's the only yeah. real injury that I've seen that was like an actual injury injury there's always bumps and bruises and scrapes and lacerations but especially chops (laughs) the chops are the worst um have you ever had to and you know we know and especially in 2022 you know what wrestling is out there you know you'd mentioned it earlier it's a sport it it's athletic but it's also has that kayfabe like entertainment Mm-hmm. Um, it's still very real as far as the competition is concerned. We all know that. Um, but there's also this thing known as a shoot where people are legitimately pissed off at each other or they go off on the mic, you know, legitimately. And uh, what I wanted to ask you is, um, and what match did you actually wanted to, you just showed a match actually, which match? Did that, that is happen? the match of 10,000 tax. Okay, so this is the match, folks, of 10,000 tacks between Lenny Mephisto and Neil Diamond Cutter. Well, and that's how you can get Christopher Miles t-shirts. <laughs> um, but, all right, so there, be sure. We have the link pinned on our comment section, so be sure to check that out. But have you ever had to deal with a shoot incident in the ring? Uh, no, not yet. 
Okay, look at you. You're looking out so far. Yeah, I, I've had uh, I had some heated words backstage when a move didn't go properly, but it was pretty. It was squashed pretty quick. It's like, hey, I know you didn't mean it, but just they don't do that move no more. <laughs> yeah, I, I noticed also one thing is. And I wanted your opinion on this because this actually kind of ties into what I was going to go next because I was going to go into mainstream wrestling. Yes. And specifically AEW because there's a phrase on AEW where you basically are doing the same spot over and over again in every match. Yeah. Um, And we've, you know, we've been in wrestling locker rooms to where they try to minimize that at shows that we're at, whether it be a Dynamo or MMWA or anything. Yeah. Um, what is, when you're watching, let's say, an episode of Dynamite, um, what is it like when you see three or four matches and super kicks galore just constantly are happening? I And I will say this, I, I am a fan for the most part of the Young Bucks, but if you've seen one Young Bucks match, You've seen every Young Bucks match. It's the Melter Driver. It's 15 Super Kicks. It's all the, it's cool stuff. But, and you said it, but you said it a minute ago. One of my favorite things about some of the wrestling shows I work is that, you know, Sadie, uh, you know, Sadie Blaze, yeah. I'll, I'll say his name fine, but yeah. laid on the wall, like, we've had him on. God love him. Yeah. But, I, you know, I, you know to, to back behind the curtain type stuff, like, you know, I don't want to see any super kicks in any matches other than this one. I don't want to see this in this any match but this one. And that's such a blessing to have that because otherwise, and I'm like, again, it's it's no knock because guys are going to do cool stuff. You might have a lot of these guys doing the same stuff in their matches that was in the match before them. And I've seen guys who something happens in a match and they go, all right, we got to switch our match. They just did that. So we got to change our thing. And that's to their credit. That they know they can't go out there and do the same thing. I just wish I think, you guys would know that. Well, I was going to say, and I feel like if more people or locker rooms had to see Blaze back there, it'd be better off for the sake of understanding that, hey, not every match needs to have the same sequence of moves. Absolutely. Um, now, you mentioned you see one Young Bucks match, you've seen them all because of the Meltzer driver and the multiple kicks and everything. I mean, is there a notable wrestler in WWE that you felt that it, it could be said the same for? I mean... I mean, everyone jokes about John Cena and the five moves of doom, but at the same time, Bret Hart, who is universally called one of the best wrestlers ever, had five or six moves he relied on, you know, atomic drop, uh, you know, elbow from the second rope, Russian leg sweep, and you could look at almost any wrestler and pick out moves from their moveset and go, you're going to see that in every insert name here match. It's just that the Bucks, they do these huge outlandish moves every single match. So it almost minimizes when they do do them. And I think that's the thing. Like John Cena may do the same five moves in every match, but not every John Cena match is the same. No. Um, I mean, yeah, of course, a lot of them were similar. And I also feel like, though, that's almost what a wrestler has to do, though. You have to have that set move set that distinguishes your character and yourself from Absolutely. everyone else. And we got, uh, oh, we got HD uh, Daniels tuning in. Um, 
Isn't it ironic that an officer referee hasn't had to deal with the shoot incident? Um, well, I should say a fan of HD Daniels. I know um, you've met Dan at a lot of shows, and he he's the, Dan's the one that's been cheering for HD Daniels. But then when you come out, he's usually the one back well, there booing you. You know, I mean, say what you will about HD TV Daniels, or you know, whatever you want to call him this week. Uh, uh, <laughs> It, yeah, just uh, yeah. That Dan makes the worst jokes imaginable. So <laughs> yeah, and then a, he has a, another behind the curtain thing. We have a group chat amongst a bunch of us vocal, you know, people involved in the wrestling industry and fans, where we make picks for wrestling pay per views and we yeah. chat about it. And this asshole will just make the worst puns and ugh, to the point where I made a meme about it. <laughs> yes, and it's and I've seen it, and it's one of the greatest memes in history. And th that brings me, and I'm not gonna post the actual like full on meme, but it leads me to my next question because I say to myself, you know, when we did your promotional pick, um. You know, a lot of people were saying how much they loved it because, I mean, look, you're pretty freaking styling. I ain't going to lie. Um, uh, all credit yeah, I was gonna say. to photography. She's the best. Make make this look that good. So, I was going to say, was that uh, what what photography again? Was that Samantha uh, Krim photography? Samantha Krim? Yep. That's what Fantastic I thought. Fantastic photographer. Um, well, the, it, yes. And she's done a lot of wrestling and whatnot. But this is the meme that that or the picture that can spawn memes <laughs> yes also now, i was about to say why why what how where so we were everything doing, we were doing like, act, we were doing actual promo pics so i was like doing the three pose and doing like a finger point and like a arms crossed serious and she's like all right do a silly one so i just screamed and held my finger out and here we are I mean, folks, yeah, exactly. So this is, it. <laughs> you know, one thing, another, and it's interesting, when you talk about referee involvement, one thing that a lot of people do love is when they watch wrestling is that they see referees get involved in matches when a heel wrestler is about to do, um, you know, something, some dirty-handed tactic. Now, or when they're just being a complete asshole. So... The difference is, oh, that the CEO pose. <laughs> I see. Oh, uh, go to bed, Nathan. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, stay up. We want you on. We want yeah. you tuning in, which yes. is a good chance to say, folks, thank you so much so far for tuning in to the season two finale of Roundabout Sports. Earlier on, we had uh, Hollywood James Knox, who's been under the weather a bit, so. Um, right now we got referee Christopher Miles who's having the time of his life, and we're almost just getting started, <laughs> folks. Um, I gotta ask though, you look at a guy like HD Daniels who goes into the ring and he doesn't take crap from anyone. Granted, mm -hmm. I have dogged him on commentary constantly, and they are all justified, but then you got you who I mean, come on, man, for a heel, where's your backbone? Okay, again, I'm not a heel. I am Mr. Down the Middle. Mr. Down the Middle. Mr. Down the Middle. But 
my de-escalation techniques learned in law enforcement, I use my words. That's why nothing ever gets done. Yeah, um, I'm not I'm not a that has to shove every wrestler. I can talk them <laughs> down. Sometimes HD doesn't even shove. He just straight tosses them. When he when he tossed um uh Dick Douglas, that was one of my favorites. Now I'm not gonna say I haven't shoved a wrestler because you know, local wrestler Jimmy D got in my face and he got the two fans of the chest, but it was one time. Yeah. Um, okay. So I want to delve a little bit away from the wrestling. And we had talked about this when James and I were on before we had you on the air. Um, and oh god, well, another thing from our lovely friend here, Nathan. Terrible voodoo. Ah! <laughs> All these inside <laughs> jokes, Nathan. No one's gonna get them. You know what, though? That's fine because as long as you get them, that makes it worth it. And yes. folks are tuning in. I love it. All right, we got us. We gotta say it. You got the hockey jersey on. That's yours. It's a one on one. It's awesome. But question: Where, where, and when did your hockey collect jersey collection start? Okay, so probably about. I I used to only ever have one. Okay. I would get, I would get like the newest Blues home jersey, and then um, I got into adult money. You know, my kids got older. I could have a little extra spending cash because babies and toddlers and small children are expensive. Teenagers and adolescents are actually a little less expensive, believe it or not. So I had to maybe actually, not mentally, but financially. Yeah. I I and I you know I got a better paying position with as an officer somewhere else that wasn't the state. So I had a little bit more extra money. So I said, you know, I really want to start buying hockey jerseys. So I started buying all these different blues ones. And then I found um, a site where I could get decently priced defunct team jerseys. So I have one jersey, at least one, from every defunct team. That's unbelievable. Yeah. And I have, I'm missing one blues jersey that is just impossibly hard to find at a reasonable price. And yes, it is an addiction, not a collection. Yes. Well, this is the thing. He, you know, Nathan in in Chris's defense, in Christopher's defense, I got a box, a stack of boxes to my right of forty five thousand plus sports cards, and I can't tell you how many pendants and memorabilia I have in boxes downstairs. So, I mean, it just—you never know how much you have until you have to move it. And yeah. then don't get me started. And then don't get me started on my video game collection. Because I'm literally, I literally have an original Atari 2600 behind yeah. me. So, and it, it, it yeah. got to the, it's gotten to the point now where when I do my laundry, I do like my work clothes and my clothes, and then I have to do like two to three loads of jerseys, and it's like, oh, this is this is a problem. Because I've it, seen a lot of your defunct jerseys, of mm -hmm. your team defunct. I've seen the Atlanta Flames. Mm -hmm. I've seen your Hartford Whalers. I've seen your Quebec Nordiques. Which those three in and of itself, I love. Yeah. The fact you got the Nordiques. Um, and the Portland one at that. Yes. And then you got the... Uh, California I, Golden you, Seals. You have the California Golden Seals. You have a North Stars, I believe. Yes. Um, Cleveland Barons. Cleveland uh, Barons. You have... You also, what's that? KC Scouts. Oh, man. Now, that, I don't know if I've seen the KC Scouts. I think... Have, have you worn it to a show? Not yet. Not, not that you've okay. been there. I okay. will let you know. How about that? 
All right, that's a deal because I do want to see the KC Scouts one. That one really intrigues me. Yeah. Um, I and you've worn an Atlanta Thrashers, which I know fairly recently defunct, but you know, still. And you also <laughs> might you might as well go out and get an Arizona Coyotes one because I was just gonna say defunct. that. I so hope they move because I want one so bad. <laughs> I, want, I, I want that purple reverse retro so bad. So you don't get them unless they become defunct, basically. No. Because, okay. okay, because I am such a homer. I am a I am a Blues fan, a Cardinals fan, and a Battlehawks fan. And, you know, I, I even bought an SLC City jersey because it's going to be the home team. I got to support them. Yep. So I cannot buy a team a jersey for a team that exists because that would be almost me being, you know, disloyal. Well, okay, so this brings up my – this brings up a question. So, you know – my favorite football team has always been, and you can see it by the helmet back there, and you got a uh, – oh, first got another thing. Nathan says, jerseys are the only thing that fit over his very large cranium. You know what? I'm glad he said cranium because that's not where I thought he was going. I'm just going to be honest. You know, so, and, you know, on his joke about addiction, every time I get a new jersey in the mail, I'm just like – I tell myself, it could be crack. It could be crack. It could be crack. This is okay. It could be crack. <laughs> oh my gosh! I, uh, <laughs> so I, anyway, my favorite team is pretty much it was always the St. Louis Rams and the Cleveland Browns. Mm -hmm. Rams move because Stan Kroenke's an asshole, and you know then I got the Cleveland Browns. Yeah. In the background, I have always had a soft spot for the Chiefs because. They were the other Missouri sports team when I the Rams moved. When the right, it, well, when the but this is what I'm trying to get at. Yeah. You know, when the Rams moved, is it is it called being fake to cheer for the other team in the state of Missouri? Uh, no, because before the Rams came here, if you're my age, there you when the Rams moved here when I was in seventh grade. A lot of my friends were either Bears fans, Chiefs fans, or Packer fans. One of those three teams. Um, predominantly Chiefs. Now, I will never be a Chiefs fan again because they voted for the Rams to move, which is why I'm a Bengals fan now. I don't really like the NFL anymore because of what they did to the city of St. Louis. Right. But if I'm going to support a team, it's going to be the Bengals because them and the Raiders were the only teams that voted against the move. Which is interesting because my uh... – Brown is just an absolute abomination of a general manager and owner, but you know, kudos to him on it, I guess. Um, but no, yeah, and it's like there's your favorite team, but then there's other teams you cheer for. Like, let's put it this way. <laughs> I know, I know you well. That's also because the teams that you have jerseys for don't exist anymore. Well, no, I'm saying, and then the blue. Okay, we both play fantasy hockey, which you suck at, by the way. But <laughs> um, I want the guys that are on my team to do well. But if they're playing the Blues, I want them to have a horrible night. Right. That's what I'm saying. Okay. Example. Would I like the Chiefs to do well? Of course. Were I happy they won the Super Bowl? Yes. When do when they play the Browns? Do I want the Browns to kick their ass? You're damn right, I do. Yeah. And I was depressed when they lost in the divisional round. And I was depressed when they lost the week one the very next year. But you damn right I want them to win. But that's kind of what I'm – the point I'm trying to get at. 
you know, if your favorite team is the one that it always has that top reign, you know, then that doesn't make you a fake fan of That That's yeah. where I look at it. And I'm, I'm trying to prove a point to a friend, but he's also he also uh, wimped out of tuning in because he's in Branson right now watching Christmas Story or something. Yeah. Or Christmas Carol. Hell, I don't know. The only so. time I ever pay attention to or support another team is in the NHL playoffs. If and when the Blues get bounced, I pull for whatever Canadian team's left. Because it's been so long yes. the Canadian team won the Cup. I have never seen a Canadian team win the Cup. I've yeah. never seen a Canadian. The last time was Montreal in 93. Yes. Which is mind-blowing to think about. And and the thing of it is, when the Canadians just recently made the Cup, I knew they were going to get their ass kicked. But damn it, I wanted them to win. Yeah, I mean. No, I you knew it. They were. The Lightning were just too. It was almost. Well, it, it those just, playoffs were a joke. Let's, let's not. Let's, let's not pull puncher. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, because that was also when you literally had all the Canadian teams in one, one uh, division. division, which I, which, okay, this is my opinion. I think that's cool until you get to the part where, oh shit, we might just have one Canadian team in the playoffs yeah, or two Canadian teams in the playoffs. But having an all Canadian division isn't that bad on paper. It's just in the grand scheme of things. Money-wise and viewership-wise, because your numbers are always going to be higher in Canada. I mean, I mean, the NHL. While I love hockey, is the number four sport. Let's not lie here. Let's not try and make it what it's not. And there's only certain markets that it really, really draws: St. Louis, Chicago, that that draw big numbers. And you know, but Seattle, it, baby. Hey, they're doing well. Let's go, Kraken. Yes. yes, you're yeah. always wishing it's crack. Well, there you go. It's the cracking. Pittsburgh is a you know Detroit, big hockey cities, and sports cities. And eh, respect to the Red Wings, they do draw. Okay, they may you know. I, I mean, the actors is stupid, them. but screw the Red Wings. And it's upset. It's upsetting because the two of the guys that the Blues would be winning a lot more games with right now are on the Red Wings. If Perron was here, we'd be winning more. And I don't care what anybody says. And if Billy was the backup, we'd still be winning more. But hey, what do I know? Yeah, well, you know, we'll see how that goes. Um, <laughs> so what I want to get into next is, you know, we talked about the past. Mm -hmm. We talked about the present. I want to talk a little bit about the future. Not mm -hmm. because you're some scientist that time that time traveled in a DeLorean. Um not that you haven't had that idea yet, but um, trust me, especially these days, getting uranium ain't going to be easy. Uh, <laughs> um, or getting a lightning strike uh, or plutonium or your, any of the elements. Um, family guy, it's, it's uranium, um, plutonium, and back to the future. Um, anyway, so here you are. You, you're at your full-time officer, um, you're constantly refereeing in wrestling. How long do you feel that you can do both? Um, until I can't. That's my best answer. Uh, physically, I'm feeling really good. You know, I'm pushing 40 real hard. But um, I, I feel like I'm in good enough shape to keep doing this. 
Um, I don't have trouble getting around. I don't have trouble getting in and out of the ring, sliding in. Uh, the only the only limitation that I have physically in the ring is I cannot get all the way down like some of the guys do on their on their side and count from their side. I count from my knees because it's just easier because I got a bad shoulder. I can't get all the way down there like that. But that's it. So, so I mean, I feel good. So I think I got another 10, 15 years in me. I can get those J King numbers before too long. I'm about to say, well, and now that J King will be retiring next year, yeah, to, it's two some seven point in the future. He's he's, well, sick, he, he's sick and tired of here, and he's going to retire at some point in the future. Well, okay, whenever within the next few years, we'll put whenever J King decides to retire, and J King's going to retire. Okay, well, I. Thought he had told me the exact timetable, but honestly, knowing Jay, he was just throwing throwing dust in the wind or smoke out there. <laughs> so Jay was probably like, yeah, one or two years, but now it's just like, ah, whenever. So, yeah. but at the same time, that's a high benchmark for you to make. And honestly, you should, you, it's definitely a badge of honor that you even have 150 matches, let alone the amount that Jay King has, which no, I don't know. Don't know the total amount too. And note, I don't plan on. He doesn't, I asked him, he didn't keep track. He said it's somewhere in the neighborhood of like 1700 or something like that. Whew. Yeah. And even at my, in my point where I'm, I'm pushing 200 now, uh, how many people last that long in this industry? Yeah. Almost 2000 matches initiated. Yeah. Um, and this is coming that 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 comment's coming from a guy whose favorite referee isn't even J King. No, <laughs> I have one more question um, before we close up shop because Chris, you've been an amazing. And then we gotta, of course, we gotta show off the the t shirts and everything one more time. But mm -hmm. I have to ask you, do you believe? And this is gonna be totally out of the blue and totally random. Do you believe the Hebner should be in the WWE Hall of Fame? <sighs> For their contributions to wrestling, yes. If they showed the slightest amount of remorse for what they did and didn't try and justify their actions, but they're 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 certain that they didn't do anything wrong, and well, they did. And for those that are wondering, um, Dave and Earl Hebner, Dave, rest in peace, uh, twin brothers, longtime referees in the WWF slash WWE and all the promotions around the world, but. They were selling merchandise with under basically under WWE's knowledge, you know, and it was out here in St. Louis. Yes. Um, and but they are basically running their own underground merchandise right Yes, they were selling authorized merchandise without approval and bootleg merchandise. So and again, I don't know this is all from the dirt sheets. I'm not saying that this is exactly how it happened because I wasn't there. I'm not Dave and I'm not Earl. Right, and it's the best, but it's the best that we can get to. The, the, the best um, information we have available right now, yes. Yes. Um, so, you know, I just, I wanted your thoughts because it's something that people have discussed, actually, especially with the some of the additions to the WWE Hall of Fame over the past few years. People feel, I mean, Earl Hebner's been referee for some of the most iconic matches in wrestling history, you know, alongside guys like Mike Chioda, um and jimmy corderas even um there's, there's, there's one referee that's a glaring exemption right now from the whole game for me and it's not any of those names it's uh, a joey, joey morella 
if you even know Ooh. who that is. Yes, he, um, he was Gorilla Monsoon's son. son. And he was the referee for the famous Andre Hogan match, WrestleMania three. Some of those early WrestleMania moments where Joey Morella was tragically killed in a car accident in 93. I think he's deserving of a spot in the Hall of Fame next to his father. You know, I think Tim White should be in. I think once Charles Robinson hangs it up, he should be in. Uh, and Earl and Dave deserve their spot, absolutely. Just say sorry. Just, just say, hey, guys, <laughs> you fucked up, you know? <laughs> right. Just, just say sorry. Look, man, my bad. Yeah. Um, oh, Jared's back. Heel zebra rule. <laughs> I'm, I'm not a heel, okay? <laughs> right down the middle. Leading towards the bad guy. <laughs> no. Okay. I'm... <laughs> I had to. I'm sorry. All right, Christopher, before we let you go. Yeah. First, plug the socials because so folks can look you up, cheer you on. Uh, uh-oh. Here we go. I'm, I'm going to just have to. You know this. God, I hate you so much. <laughs> well, all right. And folks, I'm going to put this up here, be- and only some will know what I'm talking about. But <laughs> yeah. uh. <laughs> the, so- the relationship... I always, I always throw some kind of insult out there to him, like really horrible things. And today's thing I said to him, one of our buddies said it was a step too far. I, I went too far with my insult. And I said, I hope your car breaks down in East St. Louis after midnight. And apparently that was too far. Oh, I, for the sake of <laughs> careers, I'm not saying anything. Um, no, I definitely... Oh, well, well, you know, you're an officer with a badge. Anyway, (laughs) Chris, tell us where the folks, the lovely folks, especially the ones that love to boo you for some reason, can find you on social media. So it's in there, the corner of the screen. Everything. I'm on everything. You know, uh, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. It's all at uh, one underscore two underscore three miles. Uh, I'm not on any of the Mastodons or Tribal or any of that because I don't need more social media. But uh, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, just look at Christopher Miles. And, of course, buy the T-shirts. Well, before – and, I, you know, before I let you go, I, I wanted to save it as a surprise for later, but figured, hell, we got you here now. Folks, before James went off the air this uh, earlier in the show, we were talking about how he has his show, The Strike Zone. He also has um, The Fourth Period. He also does Blues pregame show. And, of course, you'll find me on Roundabout Sports and in some other projects down the line. But Christopher Miles here is going to be having himself a podcast show similar to this as a part of Interstate 70 Sports Media. And we are here to announce the formation of that, but I'm going to let... Um, Chris, I'm going to let you take over for a second and just kind of give us a quick little skimmy about what the show is about. So the show is going to be called Issues with Wrestling. And I've been up in the past and uh, took a hiatus to go train and do work. And it's coming back, as as Jeremy said, part of the wonderful Interstate 70 Sports Media family. And how it differs from every other wrestling podcast is that Myself and our roving host will get, you know, myself and someone else will be on with me or a group of people. We're going to take a topic 
in the wrestling industry, an issue, if you will, and just break it down like Donnybrook style and have a debate and or talk about that issue. We could uh, probably for the first few episodes are what wrestling has become and what it is now. We're going to talk about women in wrestling and the struggles they deal with and what they have to go through. We're going to talk about developing a character. You know, we're going to have someone on. We'll talk about how they develop that character and how they cultivate connection with the audience through that gimmick, your undertakers or your big boss mans, how they developed that specific character and voice. And there will be a whole litany of things we'll talk about. And we'll always have an issue with wrestling every single time. Absolutely. And I know I'm looking forward to it. And well, unfortunately, Jared says he's going to boo you everywhere and he'll have a sign made February 4th. So. Hey, Jared, as long as you buy a shirt, you can boo me all you want. Okay. Exactly. And, and one more time, folks, I'm going to put the link up for, uh, for pro wrestling tees. You can just go to this page and you can find some lovely Christopher Miles shirts. I know they've been selling like hotcakes, honestly, or I guess, honestly, uh, since it's Hanukkah, potato pancakes. Um, so, but Chris, I look forward to talking to you later, my friend. Thank you so much for being on this evening. Um, uh, and of course, and I know um, it's not getting any better for you on here as far as the comments that you're getting sent your way. So, um, yeah, honestly, I just appreciate your time. You know, you're one of the best in the biz. <laughs> so, and with that, I will wish you a very good night, my friend. And much love, and I'll talk to you later, and have a wonderful, happy new year, okay? Thank you, sir. Merry Christmas, good night, and happy Hanukkah. Peace. Peace. Christopher Miles, ladies and gentlemen, on Roundabout Sports. Oh, well, I'm going to tell you something, folks. It has come to that time where we close up shop for the evening. Honestly, for the year. Because... Like I said, this is the season two finale, but this is not the series finale because we're coming back for season three. Hell, we're not going anywhere for a long time. This is just the beginning. At Interstate 70 Sports Media, we have made some amazing strides this year. And I'm thankful for so many people who have played a part in this, um, whether it be James Knox, whether it be Andy Cockerell. Um, and uh, Brad, we did not thank you for tuning in. We have not picked up anybody today. Um, but thank you for tuning in. And, you know, there's so many people that are part, like I said, um, James, Andy, Adam Frex, who's finally back on board. Um, Christopher Miles, who's going to be starting to roll with us now. Um, Eileen Holder. There's just Alistair Fennell. This entire team, we are not, we are a family. And it means so much to me to have everybody on board, even the ones that I you know, have overlooked or haven't named, and the people who aren't with us as part of I-70 Sports Media that had contributed up to this point. Um, and, you know, there's, it's, it's been a crazy year, but we've gotten our name out there. We support local. We You'll find us at Ambush Games. We're going to start getting to some of the bigger name organizations in, in sports. We're going to expand our KC coverage, expand our Mizzou coverage. We're going to try to get into some other colleges out there. We're really working on it, folks. Um, with that, we're going to close up by putting up the NAMI hotline for a National Association of Mental Illness. 
You can call it at 1-800-950-NAMI. That's 1-800-950-NAMI. Uh, lines open 24-7. And, and more importantly, we have the Suicide Crisis Lifeline. And for that, dial 988. Understand in life that you are never alone in this world, that there's always somebody out there who loves you. Um, it's always somebody that cares about you. And you're just that one phone call away if you're struggling. That one message, that one call is all it takes. And for you out there, folks, um, and uh, thank you, Jared, first off, for um, tuning in so much. And for those wondering, we're going to be back um, on January 11th. So Wednesday, January 11th is when we are returning. And it'll be on our Facebook page. So don't worry. We're just taking a few weeks off, getting regrouped, getting some stuff taken care of. Um, we'll be ready to roll. That said, and yes, NAMI is a wonderful organization. Um, but yeah, the Suicide Crisis Lifeline, open 24-7, 365, 366 on leap years. Like I said, you're never alone. And for those that know somebody that needs help, you could be that phone call. You could be the person that they need to listen to. So never be afraid to reach out because the precious time is never promised. And you should never go home without or leave home without telling the people you love what you think of them. I want to thank you all so much for tuning in this season. I already know we got some guests lined up next season, including Big Daddy Dion. I know he's got a bone to pick with me and some others for what happened last week when the Urban Cowboy Ricky Rodriguez was on. But that's neither here nor there. So with that said, you can find us on Interstate 70 Sports Media on Facebook, on Twitter, on YouTube. Please subscribe. You can find me on Facebook and find James on Facebook um, and us on Twitter. But with all that said, folks, thank you so much for tuning in. Have a happy Hanukkah, a Merry Christmas, a happy Kwanzaa. Stay safe this winter. Have a happy New Year. And as always, life is a book full of empty pages just waiting to be written in. Make your lives worth reading. I'll see you in 2023.